Section nine of the Book of Halloween by Ruth Edna Kelly. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Chapter nine. Halloween beliefs and customs in England and man. Man especially has a treasury of fairy tradition, Celtic and Norse combined. Manx fairies too dwell in the middle world, since they are fit for neither heaven nor hell. Even now Manx people think they see circles of light in the late October midnight, and little folk dancing within. Longest of all in man was Samhain considered New Year's Day. According to the old style of reckoning time it came on November 12th. Tonight is New Year's Night's Hagunah, Midsummer's Song. As in Scotland, the servant's year ends with October. New Year tests for finding out the future were tried on Samhain. To hear her sweetheart's name, a girl took a mouthful of water and two handsfuls of salt, and sat down at a door. The first name she heard mentioned was the wished-for one. The three dishes proclaimed the fate of the blindfold seeker as in Scotland. Each was blindfolded and touched one of several significant objects, meal for prosperity, earth for death, a net for tangled fortunes. Before retiring each filled a thimble with salt, and emptied it out in a little mound on a plate, remembering his own. If any heap were found fallen over by morning, the person it represented was destined to die in the year. The Manx looked for prints in the smooth-strewn ashes on the hearth, as the Scotch did, and gave the same interpretation. There had been Christian churches in Britain as early as 300 A.D., and Christian missionaries, St. Ninian, Pelagius, and St. Patrick, were active in the next century, and in the course of time St. Augustine. Still the old superstitions persisted, as they always do when they have grown up with the people. King Arthur, who was believed to have reigned in the 5th century, may be a personification of the sun-god. He comes from the other world, his magic sword Excalibur is brought thence to him. He fights twelve battles, in number like the months, and is wounded to death by the evil Mordred, once his own knight. He passes in a boat, attended by his fairy sister and two other queens. To the island valley of Avalon, where falls not hail or rain or any snow, nor ever wind blows loudly, but it lies deep-meadowed, happy, fair with orchard lawns, and bowery hollows crowned with summer sea. Tennyson, Passing of Arthur. The hope of being healed there is like that giving to Cuckolain to persuade him to visit the fairy kingdom. Arthur was expected to come again some time, as the sun renews his course. As he disappeared from the side of Bedivere, the last of his knights, the new sun rose, bringing the new year. Avalon means Apple Island. It was like the Hesperides of Greek mythology, the western islands where grew the golden apples of immortality. In Cornwall, after the sixth century, the sun-god became St. Michael, and the eastern point where he appeared St. Michael's seat. Look where the great vision of the guarded mount looks toward Namankos and Bayona's hold. Milton, Lycidas. As fruits to Pomona, so berries were devoted to fairies. They would not let anyone cut a blackthorn shoot on Halloween. In Cornwall, sloes and blackberries were considered unfit to eat after the fairies had passed by, because all the goodness was extracted so they were eaten to heart's content on October 31st, and avoided thereafter. Hazels, because they were thought to contain wisdom and knowledge, were also sacred. Besides leaving berries for the little people, food was set out for them on Halloween, and on other occasions. They rewarded this hospitality by doing an extraordinary amount of work. How the drudging goblin sweat, to earn his cream-bowl duly set, when in one night, ere glimpse of morn, 
his shadowy flail hath threshed the corn, that ten-day labourers could not end. Then lies him down, the luber fiend, and stretched out all the chimney's length, basks at the fire his hairy strength. Milton, L'Allegro. Such spirits did not scruple to pull away the chair as one is about to sit down, to pinch or even to steal children and leave changelings in their places. The first hint of dawn drove them back to their haunts. When larkskins sing, away we fling, and babes new-born steal as we go, and elf in bed we leave instead, and wend us laughing, ho, ho, ho. Johnson, Robin Goodfellow. Soulless and without gratitude or memory, spirits of the air may be, like Ariel in the tempest. He, he like the fairy harpers of Ireland, puts men to sleep with his music. Sebastian. What? Art thou waking? Antonio. Do you not hear me speak? Sebastian. I do, and surely. It is a sleepy language, and thou speakst out of thy sleep. What is it thou didst say? This is a strange repose, to be asleep, with eyes wide open, standing, speaking, moving, and yet so fast asleep. Shakespeare. The Tempest. The people of England, in common with those who lived in the other countries of Great Britain and in Europe, dreaded the coming of winter, not only on account of the cold and loneliness, but because they believed that at this time the powers of evil were abroad and ascendant. This belief harked back to the old idea that the sun had been vanquished by his enemies in late autumn. It was to forget the fearful influences about them that the English kept festival so much in the winter time. The lords of misrule, leaders of the revelry, beginning their rule on all Hallow-Eve, continued the same till the morrow after the Feast of the Purification, commonly called Candlemas Day, in all of which space there were fine and subtle disguisings, masks, and mummeries. This was written of King Henry the Fourth's court at Eltham in 1401, and is true of centuries before and after. They gathered about the fire and made merry while the October tempest whirled the leaves outside, and shrieked round the house like ghosts and demons on a mad carousel. The autumn wind, oh, hear it howl, without October's tempest scowl, as he troops away on the raving wind, and leaveth dry leaves in his path behind. Tis the night, the night, of the grave's delight, and the warlock are at their play. Ye think that without the wild winds shout, but no, it is they, it is they. Cox, Halloween. Witchcraft, the origin of which will be traced farther on, had a strong following in England. The three witches in Macbeth are really fates who foretell the future, but they have a kettle in which they boil, fillet of a fenny snake, eye of nude and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blindworm's sting, lizard's leg and owlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble. Shakespeare, Macbeth. They connect themselves thereby with those evil creatures who pursued Tamashanter and were servants of the devil. In 1892, in Lincolnshire, people believed that if they looked in through the church door on Halloween they would see the devil preaching his doctrines from the pulpit, and inscribing the names of new witches in his book. The spectre huntsman, known in Windsor Forest as Hearn the Hunter, and in Todd Morden as Gabriel Ratchets, was the spirit of an ungodly hunter who for his crimes was condemned to lead the chase till the judgment day. In a storm on Halloween is heard the baying of his hounds. Still, still, shall the last dreadful chase, till time itself shall have an end. By day they scour earth's cavern space, at midnight's witching hour ascend. This is the horn, the hound, and horse, 
that oft the lated peasant hears, appalled he signs the frequent cross, when the wild din invades his ears. Scott, Wild Huntsman. In the north of England Halloween was called Nutcrack and Snapapple Night. It was celebrated by young people and sweethearts. A variation of the nut test is, naming two for two lovers before they are put before the fire to roast. The unfaithful lover's nut cracks and jumps away. The loyal burns with a steady, ardent flame to ashes. Two hazelnuts I threw into the flame, and to each nut I gave a sweetheart's name. This with the loudest bounce me sore amazed. As blazed the nut, so may thy passion grow, for twas thy nut that did so brightly glow. Gay, the spell. If they jump toward each other, they will be rivals. If one of the nuts has been named for the girl and burns quietly with a lover's nut, they will live happily together. If they are restless, there is trouble ahead. These glowing nuts are emblems true of what in human life we view, the ill-matched couple fret and fume, and thus in strife themselves consume, or from each other wildly start, and with a noise forever part. But see the happy, happy pair, of genuine love and truth sincere, with mutual fondness while they burn, still to each other kindly turn, and as the vital sparks decay, together gently sink away, till life's fierce ordeal being past, their mingled ashes rest at last. Graydon, on nuts burning all hallows eve. Sometimes peas on a hot shovel are used instead. Down the centuries from the druid tree-worship comes the spell of the walnut-tree. It is circled thrice with the invocation, Let her that is to be my true love bring me some walnuts, and directly a spirit will be seen in the tree gathering nuts. Last hollow eve I sought a walnut-tree, in hope my true love's face that I might see. Three times I called, three times I walked apace, then in the tree I saw my true love's face. Gay Pastorals the seeds of apples were used in many trials. Two stuck on cheeks or eyelids indicated by the time they clung the faithfulness of the friends named for them. See from the core two kernels brown I take. This on my cheek for lubberkin is worn, and booby-clawed on t'other side is borne. But booby-clawed soon drops upon the ground, a certain token that his love's unsound, while lubberkin sticks firmly to the last. Oh, were his lips to mine but joined so fast! In a tub float stemless apples, to be seized by the teeth of him desirous of having his love returned. If he is successful in bringing up the apple, his love affair will end happily. The rosy apples bobbing upon the mimic sea, tis tricksy and elusive, and glides away from me. One moment it is dreaming beneath the candle's glare, then over wave and eddy it glances here and there. And when at last I capture the prize with joy aglow, I sigh, may I, this sunshine of golden rapture know, when I essay to gather, in all her witchery, love's sweetest rosy apple on love's uncertain sea. Munkittrick, Halloween Wish An apple is peeled, all in one piece, and the paring swung three times round the head and dropped behind the left shoulder. If it does not break, and is looked at over the shoulder, it forms the initial of the true sweetheart's name. I pair this pippin round and round again, my sweetheart's name to flourish on the plain. I fling the unbroken pairing over my head. A perfect L upon the ground is read. Gay Pastorals In the north of England was a unique custom, the scatting of peas. A pea-pod was slit, a bean pushed inside, and the opening closed again. The full pods were boiled, and a portion to be shelled, and the peas eaten with butter and salt. The one finding the bean on his plate would be married first. 
Gay records another test with peas which is like the final trial made with kale-stalks. As peas-cods once I plucked I chanced to see, one that was closely filled with three times three, which when I cropped I safely home conveyed, and o'er the door the spell in secret laid, the latch moved up, when who should first come in, but in his proper person, lubricant. Gay, pastorals. Candles, relics of the sacred fire, play an important part everywhere on Halloween. In England, too, the lighted candle and the apple were fastened to the stick, and as it whirled, each person in turn sprang up and tried to bite the apple. Or catch the elusive apple with a bound, as with the taper it flew whizzing round. This was a rough game, more suited to boys' frolic than the ghostly divinations that preceded it. Those with energy to spare found material to exercise it on. In an old book there is a picture of a youth sitting on a stick placed across two stools. On one end of the stick is a lighted candle from which he is trying to light another in his hand. Beneath is a tub of water to receive him if he overbalances sideways. These games grew later into practical jokes. The use of a goblet may perhaps come from the story of the luck of Edenhall, a glass stolen from the fairies, and holding ruin for the house by whom it was stolen, if it should ever be broken. With ring and goblet this charm was tried. The ring, symbol of marriage, was suspended by a hair within a glass, and a name spelled out by beginning the alphabet over each time the ring struck the glass. When tired of activity and noise, the party gathered about a storyteller, or passed a bundle of faggots from hand to hand, each selecting one and reciting an installment of the tale till his stick burned to ashes. I tell ye the story this chill Halloween, for it suiteth the spirit eve. Cox, Halloween. To induce prophetic dreams the wood and water test was tried in England also. Last hallow eve I looked my love to see, and tried a spell to call her up to me. With wood and water standing by my side, I dreamed a dream, and saw my own sweet bride. Gay, Pastorals. Though Halloween is decidedly a country festival, in the seventeenth century young gentlemen in London chose a master of the revels, and held masks and dances with their friends on this night. In central and southern England the ecclesiastical side of Hallowtide is stressed. Bread or cake has, till recently, 1898, been as much a part of Halloween preparations as plum pudding at Christmas. Probably this originated from an autumn baking of bread from the new grain. In Yorkshire, each person gets a triangular seed cake, and the evening is called cake night. Wife, some time this week, if the weather hold clear, an end of wheat sowing we make for this year. Remember you, therefore, though I do it not, the seed cakes, the pasties, and the fermentai pot. Tusser, five hundred points of good husbandry, 1580. Cakes appear also at the vigil of all souls, the next day. At a gathering they lie in a heap for the guests to take. In return they are supposed to say prayers for the dead. A soul cake, a soul cake, have mercy on all Christian souls for a soul cake. Old saying. The poor in Staffordshire and Shropshire went about singing for soul cakes or money, promising to pray and to spend the alms and masses for the dead. The cakes were called soul mass or somus cakes. Soul, soul for a soul cake. Pray, good mistress, for a soul cake. One for Peter, two for Paul, three for them who made us all. Notes and Queries In Dorsetshire, Halloween was celebrated by the ringing of bells in memory of the dead. King Henry the Eighth and later Queen Elizabeth issued commands against this practice. 
In Lancashire the early nineteenth-century people used to go about begging for candles to drive away the gatherings of witches. If the lights were kept burning till midnight, no evil influence could remain near. In Derbyshire, central England, torches of straw were carried about the stacks on All Souls' Eve, not to drive away evil spirits, as in Scotland, but to light souls through purgatory. Like the Bretons, the English have the superstition that the dead return on Halloween. "'Why do you wait at your door, woman, alone in the night? I am waiting for one who will come, stranger, to show him a light. He will see me afar on the road and be glad at the sight. Have you no fear in your heart, woman, to stand there alone? There is comfort for you and kindly content beside the hearthstone.' But she answered, "'No rest can I have till I welcome my own. Is it far he must travel to-night, this man of your heart? Strange lands that I know not, and pitiless seas have kept us apart.' and he travels this night to his home, without guide, without chart. And has he companions to cheer him? Ay, many, she said. The candles are lighted, the hearthstones are swept, the fires grow red, we shall welcome them out of the night, our homecoming dead. Let's. Halloween. End of section 9. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.